Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The Athletic. Craven Cottage, make some noise for the team of the Fulhamish Podcast! the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show brought to you by The Athletic UK. And there is so much to get into in today's podcast. All the reaction from Magic Monday at the Cottage. A 7-0 win that led to the title. A game so good that I think this one warrants not one but two podcasts. A slightly more considered view today after Monday night's podcast antics at the pub. Uh, Listen back to that on Tuesday. We were all a little bit merry, weren't we? So uh, we're all a bit more sober and it's cups of tea today rather than pints of beer. Speak for yourself. Oh, well, yeah, it's 11.15 for Jack, so (laughs) anything's possible. Uh, We'll be looking back at that game. We'll be looking ahead to Saturday's trip to Sheffield United as the Champions Party rolls up north. We'll discuss Tony Khan's interview with The Athletic. And of course, at the end of the podcast, everyone's favourite, this will catch on. It's the regular Thursday club, Peter Rutzler. Hello. Hey, Sammy, how you doing? Good, thank you. And Jack Collins, you've already spoken, but hello. Hello, listeners. Hello, Sammy. How are we? All good, thank you. And we're joined today by a special guest who was very much centre stage on Monday during those epic celebrations. Match day announcer for Fulham at the Cottage, Ivan Berry. Hello. Guys, how you doing? Lovely to be back on Fulhamish. We were just saying, Sammy, it's been um, four years, is it, since we last chatted on the pod? I'm embarrassed when you told me that it was 2018 that we last had you on. I'm so sorry. I mean, I'd, I'd have you on every week. I didn't realise. Um, I've been waiting by my phone thinking any moment now they'll call <laughs> no. again and get me on, especially this season. So many wicked <laughs> moments to, uh, to discuss. But uh, hey, thank you for finally getting me back on. I mean, you must be on cloud nine after Monday. We're all on cloud nine after Monday, but to be at the center of those celebrations after the win, Ivan, to be announcing the players to lift the trophy on the pitch, on the home patch at Craven Cottage. I mean, I think we'd have all, as fans, accepted it if we had to lift the title at Bramall Lane, but you as the match day announcer must have been thinking, please, please, let's do this at Craven Cottage. Oh, 100%. I mean, I can't... I mean, this job's ridiculous. I mean, I I still pinch myself to this day. I'm not even joking. And there's been so many incredible moments during this time. Obviously, when I took over on the mic, we got relegated and there were some tough seasons. You know, but Wembley was amazing and I got my six minutes, you know, to 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 yell at the crowd. And that was incredible. And And then, you know, then I dived in and sat with my family and watched the game and it was amazing. And then... Fast forward to a second promotion and it was COVID. And I was then announcing that, we're, hey, we're, we're off to Wembley to an empty stadium. It was the most bizarre thing in the world. And so to have a moment, you know, firstly, the, the promotion moment, uh, you know, already this season was incredible. And to, you know, to jump on the pitch and be amongst the celebrations was, I was giddy. You know, I was just, just still pinch myself. I'm like, how, how do I get to do this job? This is insane. And then, yeah, I've got to admit, you know, obviously in Nottingham Forest, I think we're all a bit disappointed it didn't happen there and then. But with Luton, I was like, final home game of the season, please let it happen, you know. And and I had all these messages from from people at Fulham saying, look, if, if it does happen, we need you to do this and this and this. And I'm thinking, all of this sounds amazing. Like, oh my God, this, please, this has to happen, you know. And in my head, I'm thinking, don't be like a 1-1. Don't be something so numb and rubbish that you're like, oh, it was just such a, just a awful way to end what has been an incredible season. Um, you know, and even when I walked in early, I could see them unloading the stage. And I'm <laughs> thinking, oh, is this just jinxing it? They're just setting it up. And they, they set it up in, in the inside of the new Riverside stand, the, the, the bit behind. And I'm thinking, oh, this feels like you're sort of jinxing it and stuff. And, and 
you know, and then also I've had this stuff written on my, on my clipboard to say, one of them was to announce the 100th goal. And another one was to announce the second record that Mitra had broken. And I knew that, you know, I, I, this was the last chance to say either of those two for me. And I'm like, will this happen? Will this just be the perfect game where we lift the trophy? Uh, Mitro scores two goals and breaks yet another record. We get our 100th goal, et cetera, et cetera. And oh, I can't even tell you. Like at 6-0 with, you know, two minutes into to extra time, I was like, already this is incredible. And then to have that final bit that I had left for the whole season, which was scoring his 43rd goal, breaking yet another record. And he, and he went and did it. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, holy shit. This is literally the greatest moment ever working for this club. It was unbelievable. And yeah, man, I just, oh my God. I just goosebumps thinking about it, man. What a game. I, I lost it. Absolutely lost it. And uh, yeah, man, just ridiculous. I don't even remember what your question was. Sorry, I've just, just absolutely rattled on. What you said was was exactly what we wanted. Um, <laughs> I mean, just being in the centre when watching the crowd and, and there was something special about the atmosphere as well on Monday. The scarves, the scarves, whose idea was oh, the yeah. scarves? I, do you know, I don't even know. I, I, was, I didn't know until I got there and I looked around and I'm like, I'm like, wow, this looks insane. Everyone's got a scarf. I say everyone, I had a scarf. And then, and then there was a chap in the crowd who had his scarf nicked. And I, and I was like, oh, I felt really bad. So I gave him my scarf. So I didn't get a scarf in the end. Oh. But I was like, well, I get to do this. So it's fine. Um, I've got a spare yeah. one. You can have it. Hey, nice one. <laughs> uh, you nick- <laughs> yeah, Jack no. was the one that nicked the scarf. It was me. <laughs> it was me. It was me. Damn it. I, was, I was dressed up. It was like, it was oh. all a big old ploy. I tell you what, though. It, it, I mean, it looked epic, didn't it? And, and I think that the idea was to... I suppose not create the white wall, but to give it that it, it, just an extra thing. And, and um, I can't tell you like standing on the riverside and, you know, when the teams came out and they all went in the air, it looked insane. Like it looked so good. And there's been so many moments like that this season where, you know, that's happened. And, you know, it was just, it, honestly, it, it was a fantastic moment. The scarves looked great. Uh, the crowd were on it. I mean, you could, the ironic thing was you guys were so loud you couldn't hear the Luton fans singing da 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 football in a library. And it was so ironic that they were trying to get this crap out when you, you guys were deafening and it was, it, oh, it was just epic. It was just, you know, one of those moments where I'm like, this is written in the stars. This has to be, this has to be the moment. And, um, you know, but I mean, who could have predicted another seven nil like to finish? Imagine that if someone said, yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna finish off with another seven at home and a clean sheet, and and that's how you're gonna lift the trophy, another record broken, hundredth goal, and you're like, nah. I mean, the odds on that at the start of the season, good god. But yeah, it was just so beautiful, wasn't it? Magic, wasn't it? I, I think this is it. It was it, those moments that they kind of live with you and. Look, the ultimate thing is that we've gone up, and these are you know we now look to next season, and but you know we've had these promotions as you say, and and obviously the first one was incredibly emotional, and the whole thing at Wembley and going through, and, and obviously seeing Fulham at Wembley, which was mm-hmm. so new, um, and then you know for any of us who weren't there all the way back in the seventies at the very least, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, and then to go and the second time it be against Brentford and have its own kind of special place. In, in the kind of pantheon and, and that kind of moment to look back and be like, wow, to do your rivals in a derby day in the highest possible stage, that's yeah. an incredible feeling. But to do it differently, I think that's the kind of thing here. We have three very different experiences of promotion and people can say, oh, you know, Fulham go up, Fulham go down, whatever. Like, as in, it, it doesn't hugely matter to me because the highs of these highs have been so incredible. Mm. Um, and the fact that the three promotions have all come in such different capacities I think it's incredible. And you know, obviously, you know, those of us who were there, but children when the last time that F- Fulham got promoted, um, you know, I, I don't remember those celebrations particularly. I, I, was, no. I wasn't quite old enough to, to kind of soak them in. So to be able to experience that and to be able to do it at the cottage as well. And, and I know Sammy touched on it about, you know, how much it must have meant because obviously when you're announcing it and being able to say those words, that's, that's incredible. 
Yeah. But also to do it in front of the cottage and to have that moment of kind of ecstasy around with the whole crowd and, and the, being able, the players to be able to celebrate in front of the, the home end. I think that's important. You know, mm. those, those things will matter and those things are the things that will remain in the hearts of players because, yes, it's cool to celebrate in front of an away end that would have been vociferous and loud and it would have been amazing and a different experience at Bramble Lane. But to do it in that capacity makes it, I think, for me, just absolutely one of the most special you know, evenings I've ever had at Fulham. I couldn't agree more. And it, it does. It just imprints on you, doesn't it? And you think there's going to be some young fans that, that are there in that moment that, you know, they maybe they've come along with friends. They're not necessarily Fulham fans yet. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously they're probably Fulham fans, but they come along to the game and they, they see moments like that and that's it. Done for life. They're in. Do you know what I mean? And it's in those moments where where those things happen, I think. And and you're right, for the players, it's it's... It's it creates this this loyalty, I suppose. It creates this 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 real connection. I mean, chatting to them, having again another moment, just amazing, getting the honour of, of getting to to dive on the pitch and chat to them straight after and get that initial reaction, and you can really feel it. You can really see it, you know, in in their eyes and in what they say, and and it's just. I think if that had happened away from home or that had happened, say, during COVID, there's less of that. There's definitely less of that. It's just, it just is, you know, it is cliche. Here we go. Football's about the fans, but it really is. And it's those moments that, you know, I, I for one, will genuinely never forget that. That is by far, you know, Wembley was incredible, but that's by far my favourite moment supporting Fulham and and, uh, working for Fulham. It was just everything about it. I mean, I thought one of the, one of the moments that, that tickled me a little bit was obviously that interview with, with Marco Silva in front of the Hammersmith End, with the Hammersmith End just belting out songs. And I was like, can we, can we all shush for a second? I'm trying to hear what he has to say. Um, but yeah. it, it really did make me laugh. I was like, I, I don't know what he said here, but I imagine it's very, very special. It, well, this is it. It was it's one of those moments where we thought like it, it was it was quite done quite quickly. It was like, right, we're going to get Marco Silva. We'd add a word. He's, he's ridiculously shy. He's such a nice guy, proper humble, but properly shy. Like he doesn't like to do much on the camera. Was the hope for like a Sir Alex Ferguson moment? Yeah. 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 Something like that. And I, I remember thinking at the time, is this going to be really poignant uh, up on the big screens? But I feel like the moment he saw himself on the big screens and heard himself through the tannoy, like he was like, Oh my God. And then like you said at the time, I'm not sure the hammy end had quite twigged because they're watching everyone going, like, you know, lifting the trophy and doing that, yay, you know, as <laughs> yeah. the trophy's going up. So I can hear this in the background as Marco is addressing the fans and talking about the season. And yeah, it was one of those moments which, um, hey, the ones that listened loved it. <laughs> the ones that, <laughs> that knew it was going on loved I was, it. I was just trying to listen. I think it was I know, the funny thing. So I was like, I don't know what's going on, please. I do. I wonder if, um, I don't know if it was recorded or if it was just live for the day, but if, you know, they're gonna. They've got any any of it anywhere, and they're gonna so maybe put it on in this documentary or or anything like that. But um, yeah. you know that would be really good if they did because he did say some lovely things. But I'm not. I'm not even lying. I tried to sneak in a couple more questions because they all said right, just one or two questions, and that's it because he's really shy. And I tried to get a few more in in the end, but yeah, he wasn't having it. <laughs> he was. He was done. <laughs> but yeah, he, I mean, what a guy. I mean, but yeah, he's 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 very shy. Very he, honestly, he's the. Uh, the polar opposite to uh, to Louis Bermorte, the two of them together, they they really are kind of. There's a real sort of um, the odd couple, as they, they used to say. Yeah, about, um, and it just works, isn't it? It's that kind of opposites attract, and you've got him, and he's he's quite modest and doesn't very uh, very rarely shows his emotions. And then uh, Louis Bermorte, who managed to get a, a booking on his first day back at Craven Cottage, which was um, quite incredible, and who's just yeah, I mean, I can't. He's just incredible, like just so much energy just he's the noisy one he's the one that's gonna have a word with the fourth when something's not quite gone and you know a little polite word to the fourth but they just yin to yang isn't it it is they they are just the the perfect pairing really and with and also i feel like marco likes that boa morte actually gets quite a lot of the adulation and attention i I think marco Mm. enjoys it when the crowd sings to him and he has his little moments and stuff but part of me wonders if actually having Boa Morse there kind of means that he's not necessarily always the center figure because Boa is is a legend at the club it wouldn't surprise me honestly yeah I I think um yeah that wouldn't surprise me at all I, I do think there is a little bit of that like I said I mean I've I've you know I've obviously been there for uh, through a, a fair few managers and you get to know them sort of individually. I've interviewed a, 
pretty much, well, most of them, I think, in, in some sort of context with Fulham. And, and then when you're sitting in the dugout between them, you get to know them quite well and they, they sort of say hello. And, and it, because of COVID, I, I, with, with Mark, I've been behind, so I haven't had too many opportunities. And that was pretty much my first opportunity to, to, to sort of chat to him properly. And, and yeah, without a doubt, just you could tell straight away a bit shy, didn't really want to do stuff on the camera, didn't want to talk through the speakers. And and so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he would probably be relieved to have someone like um, Louis, who I've, uh, you know, I've met tons, interviewed tons and, and um, you know, know pretty well now, which is an honour. Just to say that is just an honour. Um, uh, and I think he's probably quite relieved to have someone like that to, to take some of that limelight. He's super professional, isn't he, uh, Ivan? He just comes across, gives his answers very straight. And it was interesting, mm. the way he was answering, I was like, oh, I've heard similar, similar tones of how he speaks when, when he was speaking to the crowd. But I wanted to ask you about um, Dennis Adoy as well at halftime, because there were so many moments to the game. But it was interesting, because I know when you do the Forever Fulham, there's always say, can we hear it, can we hear it? But there was a oh, complete hush, at least where yeah. I was, and a complete hush, wanted to hear every word that he was saying. What was that like to, to have Dennis come on and speak to him? I, I mean, it was amazing. We didn't actually know if he was going to get there in time. So I didn't know until probably about sort of two o'clock that he'd actually arrived because he was coming straight from Belgium. Yeah. So he was coming literally that morning and, and heading over. So it was sort of touch and go. And I, again, I remember thinking at the time, I'm like, you know, this is going to be massive. You know, if, you, if we had done it next season, say, got him back and done a forever Fulham, it wouldn't have had the impact. Um Likewise, if we'd been losing at half time, it wouldn't have had the impact. So again, everything just seemed to be going beautifully. And he got there with about an hour to spare. And and we we kept talking amongst ourselves. We're like, how how can we make this as 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 big a surprise as possible for the fans? Because we knew how much they'd love it. And we were like, oh, do we do do we kind of like pop a bag over him and walk, <laughs> walk into the to like the middle of the of the pitch and then just reveal him at the end? Because the moment he walks out the tunnel they're going to start chanting, oi, 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 Dennis, like without a doubt. And that's exactly what happened. And it started to spread around the stadium and, and, oh, it was a buzz. Again, you know, love Dennis Adoy and he was one of our longest serving players and, and um, he's always been so lovely, super polite, so smart as well. Um, and so was gutted to see him go because again, this season he's, he's been, you know, really, really good. And then, yeah, to, to be able to get him back on the on the final day so he can join in the celebrations. Um, and even that, with the, one of the questions I had worded was in case we were losing, just to join in the final game at the cottage, you know, as opposed to join in the celebrations. But because we were 2-0 up or whatever, I was able to just, you know, I thought at this point, I was like, just go for it. Yeah, join in the celebrations. And um, yeah, oh man, it was amazing. On... Um, on an, on that note, Peter, when you when you say will we be able to hear him, the amount of messages I get sort of after uh, a forever Fulham award where they're like, oh, you know, we can always hear you, but we can't hear the footballer, uh, who, you know, whoever we. Well, there are some that you'll you'll hear, and there's literally nothing I can do because it's not down to the speakers or the mics or the system. It's just down to the fact that I don't know the footballer like just they just. I don't know. They just so talk softly, it very spoken. Much. <laughs> softly spoken. And every time I put the mic in their face, they go back a bit. And so I spend the entire time sort of chasing them with the mic. And so I think that's why they started putting them on the website. I mean, Ivan, honestly, you should have seen the concourse when uh, I went down for a week and people were like, it's, it's Dennis Adoy, it's half time. They've wheeled him out. Like, that, like, obviously, there's some legends that come out yeah. for Forever Fuller, but like, nothing on that level. The, the concourse was one of the most empty I've ever seen. Uh, was it really? Half-time. Yeah, people, I, I, I genuinely, I would have gone for a half time pint and I thought, no, I'm going to go back to my seat to watch, um, to watch Dennis for the Forever Fuller. I did think, like, when, when, when the chance started, I did think, are people going to start rushing back and that? And it was really packed at half time. Because often, you know, you do lose a, possibly about half the stadium, I think, tends to sort of head to the toilets or grab a pint or something to eat. And so, yeah, it was, it was, I've got to admit, it was pretty epic. Is that the earliest? Is that the earliest we've ever brought someone back? Like 100%. Four months, four I mean, it months, has to be. Uh, you think of some of the Forever Fulham Awards we've done. And we've Giving done them some, up in the 50s. And I, then yeah, it's like, it is, here you go. <laughs> not even joking. Like, I mean, I would have handed out a lot that night forever Fulham awards already, you know, there's going to be a fair few of those players that, you know, if we're still doing it and hopefully we will be, you know, in the, in the next sort of 10 years or so, we'll be giving out more of those. But um, 
definitely the earliest we've ever done it. And I think it was, it was such a unique circumstance that, I mean, what other player can you think of? Actually, I say that, yeah, I was going to say, what other player can you think of that has left and we continue to chant his name? But then we've got Kevin McDonald as well, another absolute hero who I'd gladly give a forever Fulham award yeah. to in a heartbeat. He still gets his song sung, um, you know, and quite rightly so. He's a legend. We were saying this as a as a thing the other week, and we're like, when the when the full Riverside stand does open, it'd be nice to, especially those players who ended their Fulham careers without a crowd there, you know, pull back the old Wembley, the Wembley 11s and and, and run something in the back it to open the new stand, They'd give out Philip a couple of awards. Hey, oh, it's a, it's everyone's everyone's a winner. Oh, definitely. Oh man, just thinking, I'd be it would that'd be amazing. I'd love to do that. I remember doing. Um, Really early on, when Diddy was still there, I think I was, um, this is when I think they were kind of training me to sort of get a little bit more in front of the crowd. The first season when I was doing the, the just the, you know, interviewing fans and stuff like that. And um, they got the um, the whole uh, team that got us to the final in 75, the West Ham final FA Cup. And they had them all on the pitch and they wanted me and Diddy to interview them. And they gave me the script and it only dawned on me when they gave me the script and I had a little bit to sort of chat to certain players. I hadn't got a clue what half of them looked like because they're just not my era. And I just, I was like, oh my God, this could be awful what happens right now because I, you know, I was desperately trying to like, you know, I was waiting to hear because when Diddy introduced them, I'm like, right, that's him. That's him. And oh, honestly, it was one of the most stressful moments because I think I can't cock this up. That would be absolutely appalling. Um, and luckily, you know, I, I managed to get away with that. But I feel like, you know, next time, if it's the team that won at Wembley, either of those teams, I'd be absolutely fine to remember every single one of their faces, you know. And yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, we've got some great players at the moment, haven't we? Yeah, exactly. I, I was going to come on to that. Just like your general thoughts on this season. And also, I'd just be interested to know what you're thinking um, will happen next year in the Premier League. I did yet another interview yesterday where yep. someone asked me what it's like to be a fan of a yo-yo team. Oh, I'm getting just, quite bored of it. it um, is dull, do you think we'll break the cycle next season? I do 100%. I'm saying that right now. 100%. I just think there's... I think one thing about I, I'm 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 surprised we didn't last season, and I think people quite rightly after beating Liverpool would have said, "Oh yeah, Fulham will be fine. Fulham are gonna." And for whatever reason, you know, because there was a point after Liverpool, you're like, "Oh, we're gonna finish like fifteenth, fourteenth at this," because we just seem to find our flow. You know, I know that 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 you know certain Fulham fans aren't. Uh, maybe fans of Scott, uh, but you know, certain full of fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, quite a few, but yeah, I get. It's been one of. But like, I'm not even joking. Like, he again, one of those guys. He's a lovely, lovely guy and super sweet. Love this club. Obviously, yeah. it's, it's being tested at the moment. But um, <laughs> whether you agree with his tactics or not, or he, he was really solidifying us and he was turning us into, you know, quite a a strong team and defensively we looked a lot better and you know after Liverpool you're like oh, God, do you know what we're going to do this he's he's really sort of got us playing a particular way and for whatever reason it just you know it didn't work out but I feel like uh, you know the one thing uh, with our owners especially is you know then they were new to football you know they, they're, they're obviously into sports they wanted to own a football club and they're learning and I think, um, you know, he's always been quite honest about that. And, and I think with every season that passes, they learn more and more. And you can see that in the way we've started to sign players and the type of players we're bringing in, like Harry Wilson. And, and, and I just feel like we're going to go up again. They've learned more. We're going to sign the right players. Um, we're going to strengthen the right ways. And I, I just think we'll definitely break the cycle. I, I, I'm, I'm really sure of it. We're, we're not a yo-yo club. I know that it's hilarious for everyone to say, you know, say, oh, Norwich and Fulham switching places again. But the reality is, you know, 13 years in, in the Premier League beforehand and, and um, it's been tough. It's a tough league to stay in now. Things have changed. There's so much money up there and it's so competitive and it is tough to to get back in and establish yourself and i think we'll strengthen in areas i think you've got to you go into the premier league you've got to strengthen certain areas and certain positions and i think we'll do it i think we'll break the cycle without a doubt and do you think you'll announce more than nine home goals next season <laughs> i hope so i hope so i mean to, to a crowd know, as, to a crowd to as a well. crowd would be nice i yeah. mean that was the only thing that that you know take that away must have been is, is, so bleak 
at least there was no one there to um you know to really uh get annoyed to get annoyed exactly so um i appreciate you know. the gold announcements ivan it was nice well there we you, you know so did you did we you were... ever wonder at certain times mate you're like who's he talking to it was you it was directed <laughs> it was, it was, at you it was, it was very just personal. for you yeah i thought it was my honest, when, system well when fulham uh, they messaged saying um we want you during COVID, I'm thinking I'm not going to be back in that stadium for you know a year or two or whatever. It was really quite daunting. Then I get a message um, uh, with when the, when the fixtures would start up again in June, um, and I was CC'd in on it to save the dates, blah blah blah. And, and I messaged um, my boss just to sort of say, "Did you mean to email me?" And he was like, "Oh no, yeah, yeah, you're wanted." And I'm like, "Really? Oh my god, this is this is awesome!" And, and I get so, to get yeah. out of the house and watch some football. But honestly, I, that's the other thing, and and. I, I genuinely was honoured and I, you know, there's a lot of, you know, um, Jack's a guy um, that I work with really closely at Fulham, um, Jack Burrows. And it was, it was basically me and him uh, sort of on match days because such a small team, they sort of whittled it right down. And we would say like, as bizarre as it was and as hard as it was sometimes to watch and especially in an empty stadium, it was an honour to get to, I mean, I don't know if you felt that Peter, but an honour to actually get, to, to do something during such a crap time for the world and for so many people that we actually got to go to football matches and sit there and, and be part of that. And that, that genuinely an honor, and, you know, despite the fact I got to like announce next to nothing and a lot of away, you know, a lot of, um, you know, waiting goals. It, it was just an honor to, to, you know, get to do that, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent a real privilege. Definitely. Yeah, it really was. But yeah, I reckon we'll we're definitely um, under Marco Silva. We're going to be scoring more goals. I think. I think the trick's going to be how do we stop certain teams, um, you know, counter-attacking, basically, because um, yeah, that's going to be you know if we play such beautiful attacking football, it's just making sure we're not too exposed. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But there's there's definitely going to be some. I think some fantastic score lines. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Brilliant. Um, Ivan, thank you for chatting to Fulhamish. Lovely to reminisce um, about Monday and I promise we'll get you on sooner than 2026. <laughs> yeah, oh, that'll be nice. That'll be nice. Hopefully when we're talking about, you know, our next European run or something, yeah? Oh, can't wait. Can't yeah. wait when you're uh, there. The Conference League away. Semi-finals. Yeah. Hell yes. Hell yes. Let's do it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy here with Peter and Jack. Thank you very much to Ivan. Lovely to hear from him. Um, he really was centre stage. He did a, does a fantastic job as well on the mic. I'll, I'll say it once he's gone because I don't want to um, spare him his blushes, but that is a big job uh, taking on Diddy David Hamilton's uh, mantle all those years ago. And I, I think he does a stellar job on Absolutely. the microphone and he's a, he's a lovely bloke to boot. So thank you very much, Ivan, uh, for giving up your time to, to chat to us um peter in the athletic on tuesday uh, daniel taylor did an interview which was released with tony khan the headline i don't want fulham to be a yo-yo club i just want us to be a yo club um <laughs> i mean uh I-, I feel like tony khan should stick away from yo-yo references in future but hey ho it's a good headline um, an interview with Tony. He hasn't done an interview for quite a while about Fulham. Um, and there's lots to get stuck into here, uh, particularly interesting about how he convinced, uh, according to him, Mitrovic to stay at the club 
He confirms if it was in any doubt that Fabio isn't going to be staying and talks about what the last couple of years have been like with him um, back in the States and trying to manage everything at Fulham and learning from mistakes. Um, I don't think that like there was a huge amount revealed that we necessarily didn't 100% know already, um, but still a, a fascinating read. And he's he's a man that divides opinion, I think is quite a mystery to try and work out um, sometimes what his intentions are. What does he really enjoy? How does he juggle all these things in his life? But yeah, it, um, great, to, great to read it in The Athletic and it's, and it's available uh, right now if people haven't read it already. Yeah, no, it's um, a, a person of great importance to to Fulham and in terms of his influence, in terms of ownership, in terms of recruitment. Um, and yeah, as you say, I mean, he was, he seems like he was quite guarded in what he said. I think if you look at what he talks about Scott Parker and not going into that too much, really it sort of reflected the sense that the team that they built should have stayed up. And I think that's, that's a fair reflection. Um, and then, yeah, there's some of the other topics as well. I mean, he, he talks about the director of scouting thing that was, obviously very prominent last summer we're talking about whether that would happen whether it wouldn't and the fact that it was then put on ice and he, he talks about how the his relationship with with marco silver and 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 with alistair mcintosh there uh means that they felt they didn't need to, to continue with that um the mitrovic thing as well i think i don't think that's necessarily much of a surprise it was interesting to get sort of um his take on how that summer panned out you know the dynamo moscow bids where, where Mitrovic was at after last season and, you know, reported and it was, you know, widely discussed. It was very unhappy Mitrovic and it was no surprise considering how that season had gone on. But in terms of, you know, what had to be done to, to keep him, um, th- those first conversations. And I think when you speak to people around Mitrovic, you know that he, he is close to Tony Khan. You know, Tony Khan is close to a lot of the players, as you'd expect. And, um, I think he did play an important role when he talks about that uh, in, in in the interview. Um, and of course, it was about trying to just keep him there until, until Marco Silva's appointment came in. And um, and he gives a lot of credit to, to Silva. Um, and I'm absolutely uh, rightly so as well, considering the season that he's had. And of course, Silva came in and, and spoke to Mitrovic himself. You know, he'd worked with Mitrovic before. It seemed like a, a really good match. And I think that's that's where, you know, some of the credit is due is, is, is getting that appointment right um, for which the, the recruitment team play their role. And, and of course, the, the big question as well is, is how he balances his time. We can all see that his uh, All Elite Wrestling takes up the, mo- the majority of it. Um, and he talks about that in the interview as well in terms of the, the team he has at Fulham that, that do a lot of the work behind the scenes. So, yeah, a lot covered, a lot covered um, for someone who's important. And, and of course, Fabio Carvalho and, and confirming it pretty much. I think it was interesting, some of those comments after the game, Jack, where he said, I don't know where my future lies next season. And I think we were all like, well, we do. Well, I, I think I think the element of that is just that the gate the season isn't over, right? And there's a level of respect and and things to be to be aligned. I, I think that's it, right? It's not a I don't think there's anything too too deep in it. I reckon that's, you know, him being like you know, it'd be disrespectful to what, you know, to, on a night like this as well, where everyone is celebrating where Fulham have been confirmed champions to go on and be like, oh yeah, my last home game. This is very, you know, I think he's just trying to kind of pass the mess, you know, just pass it kind of on and then and kind of just gloss over it. That's for another day. Like almost is, is the way I would probably look I at think, it. I think that's applied to all the other matters as well in terms of contracts with Marco Silva. He's been stonewalling everything. There's been no sort of, even sort of entertainment of what what could be what is happening um, for beyond uh, until we get to that Sheffield United game. So, I mean, Jack, it's a big summer for Tony, and yeah, I just have to look at what's happening at Norwich, who have just suffered their fourth consecutive relegation. And I know it's cliche to bundle in Fulham with Norwich, and we're trying to get away from that a bit. But it's been interesting to see what's been happening with Stuart Webber at Norwich, who. I think two or three years ago, a lot of fans who didn't like Tony Khan would have put someone like Stuart Webber on a pedestal as a director of football who Fulham should be looking to a point. And he's been coming in for a lot of criticism, a lot down to a quite bizarre interview that he did where he said that actually his other passion in life is mountaineering and that Norwich 
he is only prepared to give Norwich 90% of his attention because he wants to climb Mount Everest. And he's been given special dispensation by Norwich this summer to go and climb Mount Everest, which doesn't go down very well with with football fans. But I guess what I want to get back onto is that let's not preempt that we do go down. But if we did... I mean, I don't know where Fulham, the Khans, anyone could go from here. It does feel a little bit do or die this season because I just don't like, he's got everything at his disposal this summer. And he says this in the article, right? He says that getting promoted, having this amount of days before the season is critical, but that puts a certain kind of pressure on him as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the exact line. We've we've said this before, right? The the, the difference between winning the championship and staying in the Premier League is not is, is is a massive gulf, right? And look, just as there's a huge gulf between Fulham and Luton at the moment, right? Despite the fact that we're already four places apart in the table, that gulf in terms of going up and 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 look, there is something to be said for the fact that a lot of the clubs that have survived in recent times um, have been managers who've gone up playing. A three-five-two, you know, or a variation on a three-five-two. We're not that club, right? Um, and Norwich weren't either. So there's worth just kind of considering that. And I don't think that's the be-all and end-all. And formations are loose, and you know, that it's not about how you set up; it's about how you, you know, shape up in possession, out of possession. There's lots to be considered about. But a lot of the clubs that have gone up and been successful have varied on that formation. Um, and I do think that's an interesting point. But I think you're absolutely spot on. This is the line, isn't it? Two years ago, when we won the playoff final. Tony says. We had 39 days before the start of the season. This time we have 109 days before the start of the season. That's a huge difference. And he's absolutely spot on, right? This is the this is the thing that we've been kind of posterizing for months is that what it takes to get these things done is 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 early business. And and the fact that, you know, when the club come back in after their summer break, and I don't know how long the players are going to have off, obviously, but you know, it's not going to be too long, you'd imagine. You know, it's two, three maybe four weeks at push. Um, and you come back in for pre-season. When players come back in for pre-season, you want to have the, the kind of genuine skeleton of a squad that you're looking at playing with there, right? And and obviously transfers take time. And I think, you know, obviously there's so much behind the scenes that goes on and I'm lucky enough to be part of this world and, you know, and see things and, and, and kind of try and understand it from that perspective. It's not easy to get transfers over the line. You know, there's a lot of negotiation. And the reason that transfers happen late a lot of the time is because clubs are waiting to see where their moves happen and how things pan out for them and getting their own contingency plans in place. So it's it's not always, you know, easy to get your targets out of the clubs they're at um, and, and so on and so forth, even if you have agreed terms. But I think Fulham need to be smart this summer in terms of getting things through the door early. And it's a good start with the links, you know, and, and, and the reported done deal for Mana Solomon, you know, th- these are, that's a good sign. Fulham need more of that, need it early. You know, the, the, these things happen and Marco Silva can look at his squad and go, right, this is what I'm working with. This is the squad I'm molding. And look, Ivan said it in this first part, right, that there was so many players in that first time when we went up and we played against Palace that hadn't played in the squad before. I, I'm slightly less worried about the number of players in there. I was more concerned about the fact that some of them had only been at the club for two weeks. You know, that that's the worry for me. How much time do you have to mould a squad and mould a playing style and mould a philosophy if those players have only in, been in the club for two weeks? And, and and obviously it's, you know, again, it's not hard, it's not easy. And things come up, especially towards deadline day and, and all of these things that mean that, it, you know, you, sometimes things come up and you're like, we can't miss that opportunity. And that's fine. Right. But what you want to be doing on deadline day is adding, you know, not necessarily trying to find the core of your squad. Uh, Another article I enjoyed reading and sorry to keep bringing it weirdly back to Norwich today, um, Peter, but your colleague, Michael Bailey, wrote um, the story of Norwich City's relegation from the Premier League. And I hadn't quite anticipated how many transfer struggles they had last summer and how difficult they found it into bring those players through and look part of that is Norwich's budget which is not as high as what Fulham will be able to spend and they couldn't afford to pay top whack but also they were starting to have to pay agent fees it's a murky old world out there and <laughs> hopefully Fulham can avoid some of the disasters that happened to, to Norwich this season yeah that, that's that's the challenge and the the good side for Fulham is the fact that they have the resources there you know you 
you look at the players that the club brought in on loan last season, you know, they're, they're players on good wages there. Um, and there's a consequence to that. And the consequence is financial fair play, which again, will I'm sure will, will be, will have to be factored into the thinking, not just in terms of meeting the requirements for next season, but meeting the requirements for the season after. How do you make sure that if Fulham go down again, the, the accounts are in order and they can cope with the championships financial fair play and that's that's the major issue for the yo for a yo-yo club if if, if Fulham are to be termed that and for what's been evident I think from the way the Khan's have invested is that they want to invest and you know I've, I haven't spoke a bit about this before but having an owner willing to do that willing to pay is really quite important um as Norwich, as Norwich have shown, and as much as Norwich's model is is commendable, and I think a lot of clubs would do well to to to, to follow in that in their regard, um, you to have someone willing to spend money and willing to lose money, really. I mean, let's let's be frank: the amount of money that the Khans have lost is is incredible. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's a blessing if you want to compete at this level. Um, and it's about spending that money wisely, especially when you have the, the trips and the traps of, of financial fair play. And I suppose when you assess recent recruitment, you, you start to see the signs of, of improvement. You know, Tony Khan talks about Tosin Adrabayo signing, probably one of Fulham's best signings, I think, um, at least in, under the Khan's ownership. I think it will prove to be that because of how much he cost. Yeah. And it, that comes back to what Jack was saying. You know, that's a, that's a deal that doesn't happen unless it's done late. Um, because of how he was able to get out of Manchester City and because of the fact that Fulham were able to get such a low fee. Um, I agree, though, you can't, you can't be reliant on that. If you're going to do that, it's got to be those boost, those boosters, your Christian Eriksen that Brentford picked up, that kind of move that will lift the team um, in the season, and the rest has to be done now. And I think where Fulham are at you know, is a far better place than the previous two promotions. We've talked about that, the two playoffs. Um, this is a, a championship-winning team with Premier League elements to it, a Premier League core. Um, and it is really, I mean, it's a, they're all players pretty much that signed by, by Khan, I think, by Tony Khan. So, um, and that that's, yeah, that's where credit has to be due for, for the season. I think that's, that's only fair. For me, questions, I still don't understand how he can operate all three things, but he has explained it numerous times that he does make it work, that actually the team at Fulham do do a lot of the heavy lifting and... I'm kind of past the point. It's, it's almost not really worth debating. I don't think Tony is going anywhere. And I, I fully understand people that still have their reservations. For me, I think the proof is in next season. Um, I think if we're here in 12 months time and Fulham have been relegated again, then there's huge questions to be asked. But I think all we can do now is, is hope that this summer is successful. Hope that the turnover is reasoned but also smart. And if we can sign another two or three Toast and bios, because that is the kind of poster boy of Fulham's new recruitment um, strategy, um, then that would be wonderful. If you want to read the full interview uh, that Daniel Taylor did with Tony Khan, uh, go to The Athletic right now. You can sign up if you aren't a member already by going to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod and you can get a discount on your first year's subscription. Right, we'll take a break there. We've got some correspondence, a Sheffield United preview, and this will catch on. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy here with Peter and Jack. Uh, just before we get into the Sheffield United preview, uh, I just want to say uh, thank you so much uh, as ever for listening to this podcast. I don't feel like I do it enough, but it's a brilliant community out there. All of you guys who do three word reviews, send us questions, send us little catch ons. Uh, we're hugely appreciative uh, of everything that you do for Fulhamish. This podcast would be nothing without you guys listening every week and, you know, it, a few people in the last couple of weeks have come up and said how much they've enjoyed the podcast this season. So thank you as ever. We don't take it for granted. And a big thank you to The Athletic as ever uh, for backing this podcast. And thank you to our supporters on Leveller who back us monthly. Uh, keep alive our finances to do this. Make sure that we don't lose money, uh, which is all 
always preferable uh, when doing the end of year accounts. Uh, there's a few more podcasts to come this season. Uh, we'll be doing another Thursday Club uh, next week, which will be our last one for a little while. We're going to maybe try and do one at the beginning of June, but we've got some plans over the summer, a few different podcast things lined up. We're going to try and line up uh, an interview or two if we can. So we'll hopefully have plenty of podcasts, but we will also take uh, a short break as well. Right then, Sheffield United on Saturday. It doesn't matter, Jack, does it? It matters zilch. Um, it would be lovely to put a nice little um, extra W at the end of the season. But if it ends 2-0 to Sheffield United, it is not going to spoil the party one jot. No, I, I don't think so too much. No, it's it's a great place to go, isn't it, Bramble Lane? Um, Never been. A, my first time. It's in a, Well, it's, it's one of those kind of famously old stadiums and has its kind of you know, own vibe and probably the best pre-match song in, you know, in I would say maybe in world football. You know, that, that's that's how it is. I think anything called the greasy chip butty song is going to always go down well. Um, but I do, I do like it, and um, I, I look, I'm excited. It's one of those things that so nice to go and watch Fulham stress free. Obviously, the last time we went to watch Fulham stress free in kind of this regard um, was. We were at Hillsborough, so it's kind of a strange yeah. one, you know, to, to be back in Sheffield. It's a lot closer to the station, Bramble Lane. That's my big takeaway from uh, from having visited the two Sheffield stadiums. So that's um, that's a nice one to to kind of dial into. And look, there's an element of you know, as, when we saw these fixtures, and I spoke to BBC Radio Sheffield on, on you know, the, as the fixtures were released talking about Slavisa Jokanovic's appointment and saying, you know, this could be first versus second on the final day, um, given the strength of the two squads uh, and given, you know, the fact that the two managers in charge were Silver and Slavisa. And I was, you know, I was kind of hoping for that in, in, in many ways. But look, it hasn't panned out in that regard. They've still got a lot to play for. Um, and, and I suppose that's the difference between the last time, because the last time we went to Wednesday on that last day, they had very little to play for either. So this is slightly different in that, I'd imagine the place is going to be absolutely rocking. You know how much of how much of Fulham going to be on the beach? Obviously, it's nice to, to to end the season on a win, and this is an incredible team. And the pressure's off. And actually, in the last couple of weeks, it's been when the pressure's off that Fulham have played some of their best stuff. You know, that two 0 up in that Luton game, Fulham suddenly just turned into party mode. And Fulham in party mode is good vibes, right? Where in, in the in the Preston yeah. game in the second half at three 0 when we knew we'd just what we you know been promoted. Yes, we didn't score, but we played some glorious football. And I, uh, I, the question, I suppose, is: Does Silver go and try and finish with a bang? Uh, does he give try and give some minutes to maybe players who who haven't quite featured as much as they might have wanted this season? Do you have Fabry in goal? Do you know what I mean? Like, is, is he, <laughs> um, but and I can suppose it's nice just to be like, look, let's go and enjoy it. And and yes, if if Fulham win and, and Fulham play beautifully, then absolutely all the better for it. Um, if not, then I'd imagine that you know the place is going to be absolutely buzzing, and that's pretty cool as well to experience. So it's just really lovely to go in and just have a have a game like this where we can we can sit in, enjoy it, enjoy being champions. Watch us watch us be given a guard of honor. That's a new one for me. That's going to be cool. Didn't think about that. Um, yeah, like, I'm just excited about what a day out it might well be. And and look, I'd imagine that Fulham are going to play some nice stuff. Whether it ends in, in victory or not, you know, I, I don't know. But I imagine that Fulham are going to enjoy this one um, and try and, you know, I think show, not showboat, that's the wrong word, but, you know, try and showcase why, you know, the champions are the champions. Uh, you know, give them that kind of send off for the season and, and, and basically, you know, hammer home just how good a side they have been um, and I maybe, think that's important maybe not too much showboating we saw him to Tom Kearney in the second <laughs> half against Lou <laughs> yeah, got kicked um, Peter Sheffield United have obviously got a massive uh, carrot uh, in this game uh, they're in fifth place um, but they're on 72 points Luton are on 72 points they moved below Sheffield United after they um, shipped seven to us because their goal difference went below what Sheffield United's is. So Sheffield United raised a place on Monday evening without kicking a ball. In fairness, 
that was happened after two no it didn't need seven um for that to happen uh, and then lurking like a shark in the water is Middlesbrough in seventh place, two points behind Sheffield United. Uh, Middlesbrough go to Preston on the final day. Luton play Reading, which you'd imagine is a pretty plum fixture for Luton. Millwall are in the conversation, but would need to not only hope for a three-point swing they'd also need to hope for a five-goal swing over Sheffield United so a point Bournemouth's going to be on the beach there you go well it's an interesting final day Sheffield United definitely in the driving seat but of course I think there's probably a few teams they'd rather have than Fulham on the final day to try and clinch um, their playoff spot that said, this is a Fulham where if you watch the behind the scenes stuff that uh, the club put out, Marcus Silva tells the players, yeah, we sh- I want you to celebrate today, tomorrow and the next few days. So I don't really know how that bodes well for Sheffield United and the other playoff contenders when essentially Fulham will be on the piss for a week. So, um, yeah, I mean, there is stuff for Fulham to play for. I think that's important. Um, Mitrovic has tied Frank Newton's record. You got You'll want to beat that, I'm sure. Um same time, I'm sure Rodrigo Muniz would love some minutes, but you know that's, that's on the, the line. Old, that's that's the record goals in a Fulham season. For that, yes, that, 1931 Yeah, yep. uh, and uh, what's the other one? 108 goals, Man City. That's now in range, inexplicably after that after the seven nil. So that's three goals. No, two goals. Only two goals. Two goals to, to match. To three goals yeah. to beat. Yeah. So there's another thing. Um, Silver did speak about trying to come up with new things to aim for for the team. Um, I'm sure they they would have wanted to have done that earlier and unsecured the title earlier, but you know they, they'll still want to do that. And um, yeah, I, I'm intrigued to see how Fulham set up. If I'm if I'm a, a playoff contender that's not Sheffield United, I'd be a slightly slightly concerned anyway. But we'll see, we'll see. They'll 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 they'll, they'll want to finish on a high and um, keep the party spirit. How many inflatables are you bringing? That's the big question. How many am I bringing? You, you can't wearing. really bring inflatables. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can wear the inflatables. <laughs> but, um, so it's inflatables last time I went to, to Bramall Lane was in a storm and I did need inflatables to actually get there. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> well, I'll um, wear them in the press box. Yeah. Uh, are you, you going to be wearing a Hawaiian shirt in the press box? I suppose I could get away with that. Is it going to be warm enough? Maybe. Is it Hawaiian shirts? Is that the, is that the, is that the, is that the kind of mandate? Well, it's just a classic like promotion party kind I'm probably going to wear, probably going to wear a Fulham shirt to be honest. Well, I mean, you could always get the full, you can always get the Fulham Hawaiian shirt. I see them around a lot. They, they, they sold well. Yeah. Well, you know, you got, you got, you got played to your audience, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting game. Uh, Fulham not got an awful lot to play for. The one I'd love was ha- if Harrison Reed got a goal, yeah. that would be really special. Nathaniel Chalaba also hasn't got a goal this season, but obviously hasn't played quite as much as as Harrison Reed has. Obviously, Seri managed to get his. Um, if if we get a penalty, Jack, genuinely, does it go to Harrison Reed? Well, probably not with Mitrovic one goal off that record. Um, mm. But maybe if maybe if Mitrovic has scored already, then yeah. I'd like to see it be Harrison Reed or Marek Rodak if we just want to fully take the piss. <laughs> no, I don't think you can let Marek Rodak take the pen, man. Like, that, that's, actually, that's actually rude. But like, yeah, send your keeper to take a pen unless it's like Jose Maria Schilever, like is actually not on. <laughs> I remember um, playing an 11-side football team that had lost every game that season and uh, the team that we were playing were top of the league and they had that scenario where all 10 outfield players had scored that season. They were 5-0 up, won a penalty and they sent their keeper up to take the pen and he scored. And it was a pretty, pretty low moment in my life. So Yeah, yeah I can maybe- imagine. Maybe we shouldn't do that to Sheffield United. Right, let's move on to some correspondence. Probably the worst preview we've done of the season. What the <laughs> hell? What the hell's there to say? I mean, <laughs> to be fair, Sheffield United were very good, weren't they? When, when they came to the like, also, like Sheffield United are a really good side. Like they, yeah, they, yeah. they have really good players. They probably genuinely. I mean, Bournemouth, you know, Bournemouth's ridiculous spending spree on transfer deadline day aside. Um, like Sheffield United at the start of the season, I would have said are the second best squad in this division. Um, and, and, and look, they've had some injuries. They've had some bad luck with, with, with strikers. Rian Brewster finally started to find some form and then got injured. Um, 
you know, it, it's not been an easy season in, in that regard. They've obviously changed managers. Stavisa is no longer there. That would have been a nice homecoming had it, you know, had it all panned out as it as, as I thought it might. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a very good side and they need to be given respect. You know, and, and, and they will be fighting very, very hard to ensure that they are in these playoffs because if they are there, they have as good a chance of anyone as winning them. Um, and, and I think that it's going to be a really interesting thing. But Fulham can afford to, you know, enjoy this. There's a difference between disrespecting someone and actually being able to enjoy a game and being like, look, there's no pressure on us. We can just try and play our thing. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know, that's lovely. What a lovely position to be in. Uh, let's move on to some correspondence. Uh, this first message uh, from David says, hope you're well. While I've been finding all the hilarious yo-yo team banter on social media very tedious, I have been wondering who are the three teams that are going to be worse than us? Now, he's written this before that Bournemouth had got promoted, but he kind of talks about, could it be Bournemouth? Could it be Forest? Um, He then says, so who in the Premier League are we going to be better than? Brentford, Burnley. He said he'd be interested in the pod's thoughts. Leeds and Southampton, potentially. I can see Leeds kicking on a bit, but Southampton, I think, have entered that sort of uh, malaise period that Stoke went through. It just just seems to me that that they're close. They have been close the last couple of seasons, and I do wonder if they'll tolerate similar and if they were like I mean they are so reliant on James Ward Prowse um but I said this last year and they were fine this year so yeah they I thought they signed well last summer um and I think they have a relatively good transfer model um and I think Salasu is coming into his own Livermento has obviously been excellent um I don't think they're going to lose injury anyone. for him though which obviously is a big blow yeah but I, I just I think the thing is that this Carl Walker Piers now that steps into that role obviously he's been playing at left back as well but Roman Perot was, was really good at breast um like I just think uh, the I level, think though, I just think I agree relatively, with you. I think, I just think they they are in that group and I don't think they are. I just have not, a funny feeling they're just going to be fine. Like they, they might be dragged into it, but I just think the, the level of their squad, you think about it, you go through Southampton squad and you wonder how many players in that squad would start to full, for Fulham and it's quite a lot. Yeah, but I mean, they haven't really replaced Danny Ings as much as Adam Armstrong's done well. I mean, they've got Shea Adams up front. I mean, Brozier's yeah. going to go back to Chelsea. It's... For me, they 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 need work. I just wonder where yeah. Hasenhutl's at in terms of the, the the project because they haven't moved forward. If they change manager, which could happen if they have another blip, they have they seem to have these long blips. Where, yeah. where do they That's stand? Very streaky. And if they lose James Will Prowse, then I think they're, they're they've put seventy five million just, pound I'm not, I'm price not tag on hit, but yeah. No, no, no. They've put seventy five million pound price tag on James Will Prowse. I just sure, don't know but I mean in terms of injury as well. That's, that, yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah, what that is true. Term. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, Leeds, Leeds and Burnley in the conversation. The two teams that come up with us. Um, look, Brentford might struggle in the second season. Equally, they might not. Like you know, ultimately they've done really well. Much as it pains me to say that they've been very good, and and they they do sadly deserve credit for that. Villa have been all over the place, frankly. Um, but you'd imagine with the amount of wealth at their disposal um, that they should be okay. So, I mean, yeah, you are looking at that bottom, you know, the, the four teams who stay up, you know, in terms of 14, 15, 16, 17, at the moment reads Brentford, Southampton, Burnley, Leeds United. Um, now, it might obviously change, but you're looking at those teams and thinking, okay, that's probably, you know, they're the, probably the four teams plus the three that come up, they're going to be in the conversation next year. There's usually a team that drops into it for a little while, um, but gets out of it a la Newcastle this season. Um, so it's going to be, but I'd, I'd say that's what you're looking at, right? And and, and that's 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 where you have to kind of the fight. Can you pick up points against the teams a little bit higher up than that in the table? Can you pick up points against Wolves? Can you pick up points against Palace? Can you pick up points against Leicester? They're the games you look at and go, okay, how do we you know take advantage of these situations? But I think it's going to be the four currently sat above the drop zone plus the two teams that come up with it us. Does, it does feel like a tighter group, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I, because, because of that, if you are established over a period of time now, the money that comes through your club is so much. You know, it's mad that we're not talking about Brighton in this, for example. Yeah, it's not, we're not even in, they're not even in the conversation. So that, that's, that's the challenge. And Normally, as Jack says, someone else will get dragged in. Someone will have a crisis season and that may change things. So, um, but yeah, I'm sure as Marcus Silver would say, you can only focus on yourself. 100%. Next question from Matt Roberts. He says, hello team. Thank you for the fantastic coverage all year. You've made an enjoyable season even better. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Um, he says, how do we get the best out of John McElserry in the Premier League? I feel like his passing range and ability to control a game should be valuable, but does it depend on finding the right partner slash partners for him? At the moment, I look at our midfield and think it lacks physicality and mobility. 
agree yeah. with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Um, <laughs> On the money, to be honest. I mean, I think you maybe can place Seri in a three with Harrison Reed and one a another, um, like who who comes in and, and potentially plays the you know the deepest role, or at least the kind of destroyer role. Like obviously Harrison Reed bundles about and and wins the ball high up, and I like him in a little bit more of a freer role than than at the base. But if you leave Seri at the base on his own, he's a little bit Jorginho in the way that you can take advantage of him physically. Um, now, he's a wonderful controller of the tempo. And when you have possession, when you have the ball, that's great. But when you are being overrun on the counter, it's not particularly useful. So you need to surround him with the right kind of players if you're going to try and do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you need a midfield enforcer in there if you're going to try and play Seri at the base alongside a Reed who buzzes around and destroys you want someone in there that's going to you know box give that box. commanding physical box-to-box presence um and and so that's going to be interesting obviously it depends obviously what happens with with Everton but the links to Abdullah like Decore have started already with with Marcus Silva and that would be an interesting did we start one. that did we start that no I, I, well, I mean I think we discussed it but I was going to say Peter <laughs> mentioned it last week is suddenly now it's transfer rumours Peter just says yes I shouldn't it as an mention idea. anyone it was just it was just a thought this is how things start Unless we're getting listened to, it's very plausible that we've been listened to by the ITKs of this world. But um, there have been <laughs> there have been rumours spreading about, so we'll, we'll see how that one goes. But um, yeah, I mean, look, if you, you bring in another player there who's who's able to do that and, and able to get up and down and you know win those defensive duels as well, that's going to be important to to how Fulham set up next season. But yeah, I think Seri has a place like in this squad massively I, I really do um and much as he's been used slightly more bit partly in the kind of end of this season i think that silver will know his worth in terms of what he can bring to the table next year yeah i think maybe if we're looking for a good player next season i think luis diaz from liverpool actually could be a, a really good one for us um he would really fit the system and uh, work well with marco silva so yeah luis uh, diaz just a colombian Mala solomon mate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right let's come on to uh this will catch on first of all this isn't a, a suggestion but richard smith sends in dear sammy and co the now that's what i call music compilations must have started somewhere how about a compilation of this season's submissions he says ideally in time for the journey to sheffield which he says for him will be a two-day epic from cornwall now I don't think we're going to be able to do it in time for the Sheffield United game, but I think an end of season roundup of our favourites, like a chart for this or catch on would be a good thing to do. Or Jack and Peter, if you had enough of it and you want the season to end. No, go for it. No, absolutely. Yeah. More, more this will catch ons. Ever okay. since my, ever since the existential crisis of a few weeks back, I've been uplifted by the power of music. Okay, I think today may um, send Put you me back, back in the bit into yeah, your dark place. First one from Patrick Davies. He says, was going to wait until next season to submit this one when we're fighting survival and we've eventually, hopefully, signed the five foot six man from Israel. But I'm afraid Jack's patience is wearing thin with this segment of the podcast. So here we go. For Mana Solomon, yes. he's come up with... Uh, <laughs> A, a chant to the tune Crazy by Seal. <laughs> it's short and sweet, <laughs> but it does the job. And we're never gonna survive unless we get a little Israeli. That's it. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to kick. And we're never going to survive unless we get a little Israeli. I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm it's not been sure. in my head since I heard it. I'm not sure it's going to catch on, but I, I am quite pleased with it. It's made me laugh. So there you go. <laughs> Very good, Patrick. If we can add maybe a few more lines to it. I've got one for Mana Solomon as well from George Rossiter. Shall I play it to you? Um, yes. He came from Shakhtar. He had to leave Ukraine for seven million. You know he'll chase the game, replace Carvalho. And now we sing his song, Israeli Messi. It's Mana Solomon. <laughs> What tune is that? Um. Oh, I don't know what it is. 
That's going to really annoy me. We'll work it out. Hang on. Stay there. It's Push It Real Good by oh, Salt yeah, and Pepper. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Very good. <laughs> I had to go next door. I'm, I'm with uh, fellow Fulhamish George Cooper today, so I just quickly ran in uh, and edited that in. It wasn't just uh, something from the depths of my knowledge. Uh, very, very good, George. Right, couple more. This one from Sam Witcher. He says, long-time listener, frequent three-word review contributor, first-time emailer. He nice. said, a few weeks ago, I was very proud of my niece Rosie for having her This Will Catch On played on the pod. It was to the tune of Our House by Madness, which I'm yes. sure you remember, Jack, who's very good, Rosie. We enjoyed it. We a enjoyed lot. that loads. Uh, he says, So I challenged my own sons, Austin and Dexter, to come up with an idea to see if we too could make it onto this now legendary section of the pod. We've tried to tick lots of boxes, such as having a niche tune, niche references, short, snappy, and hopefully something that will pass the syllable test. And whilst we may have partly succeeded, we know there are issues. The main one is that it needs to be sung, which we all struggled with. So it was unfortunately left down to me to make a fool of myself. We're pleased to use the Neighbours theme tune, given its recent marching orders from UK screens, as well as pulling in our Australian fan base. And we hope it proves worthy of your consideration. So this is a song more generally for Fulham rather than for a specific player. The production values are high. Okay. Fulham, Marcus Silva, Super Fulham, led no. by Kenny Ream and Mitro. Our clappers drive fans round the bend. <laughs> Fulham, everybody loves us. Fulham <laughs> at Craven Cottage beside. That's good. <laughs> Excellent. Beautiful. Really good. Really At Craven Cottage that. beside the Thames as the final line is is genius. I think we should make a parody, like a uh, like a spoof sitcom about I'm, Fulham and use that as the theme tune. That, that, that's excellent. That's really we good. Actually, it's never catching on on the stands, obviously, because it doesn't work without the music. But like, it, it's absolutely beautifully put together. All credit. Yeah. All credit. That is excellent. And I think it should be used as a theme tune for a new Fulhamish thing on YouTube next year, where you just like follow Jack Kelly and Joe Sansom around pubs. <laughs> <laughs> Right, final one is from Marisa Cardoni. Now, it's not necessarily a new chant. It's an existing one that has been here on This Will Catch On, but it has been executed to the nth degree. So she says, thought you might like this recording done of a multi-track version that a good mate of mine, Ian Brown, in brackets, not that one, helped me produce with some clever software. So it's the Harry Wilson, Mitrovic and Niskins chant, but next level. Harry Wilson, Sorry, what? Mitrovic and Niskins playing black and white scoring goals all night Make the Premier League look shite. Oh, that is amazing. Wow. That is incredible. <laughs> Your face lit up. It's so good, isn't it? That's amazing. Please play it again. Yeah. Harry Wilson, Mitrovic and Eastkins playing black and white. Scoring goals all night. Make the Premier League that's absolutely fucking incredible. that is so good isn't it thank you that Marisa. has made me so happy yeah I'm, my heart is full i've saved the best till last marisa thank you so much for you sending saved this will catch on yes. <laughs> <laughs> one more year <laughs> <laughs> it's what gets its contract renewed like like john mckell seri and niskins cabano there's a chance that they might be here that's a niskins year. cabano winner in a playoff final with a new contract <laughs> no winner in a playoff <laughs> semi-final um, and a new contract thank you so much you saved this will catch on the saviors of this will catch on is absolutely excellent and well done to Ian with your clever bit of software as well. Uh, very, very good on the buttons. That'll do for today. Uh, thank you earlier to Ivan Berry. He was absolutely brilliant. And thank you to my guests that stayed till the end. Jack Collins, thank you. Thank you very much, Sammy. And Peter Ratzer, thank you. No, thank you, Sammy. Always a pleasure.
We'll see you both in Sheffield, hey? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Peter's going to get his inflatables out. Jack's going to have his Hawaiian box. shirt. Yeah. We're all going to be having a big old party. I'm going to be singing the Greasy Chip Butty song before play before kickoff. That's what you'll find. That's what you'll find me. <laughs> Are you going to bring a horn? I don't think you'll get in the ground. <laughs> Can I get it in the ground? Just outside the ground, around the ground. Use it in the in or around. I'll bring the air. I'll bring the air horn to Sheffield anyway. And uh, if you see me on Friday night and you see someone being really obnoxious around the centre of Sheffield blowing an air horn, you'll probably have a fairly good guess who it is. Uh, if you're heading up, enjoy it. If not, have a lovely weekend. Fulham are champions. Bask in it. And we'll see what happens in the most pointless game of the season on Saturday. It'd be nice, though, if we could end it with a win. But until then, come on, you whites. You whites! Make the Premier League look shite